What's up, family? Joe B. from Crusher Cast. Here we are at another interview. This one is one that I've wanted to do since the beginning, but for those of you who know me, it would almost be too obvious. So I wanted to put it off a little bit, and uh, I think I asked him in the beginning, even way before when it was still just a, a concept, and he said, he said yeah. Um, but anyway, this episode is my brother, my bandmate, Randy Shanks. All my life I've wanted to be able to write music uh, and give people that feeling that music gave me when I was growing up and, and still does, continues to. It seemed to do something for me that it didn't do for other people when I was sad or when I was happy or no matter what was going on, there was a song for it, a song that I turned to and uh, I maintain those <laughs> to this day. But anyway, I wanted to be able to give that to other people, but I just didn't have the tools, you know, and I tried for years and years and years to write music, and I, you know, I wrote a few songs here and there, and uh, but it was always super labor-intensive for me. It was always just, you know, I, I, it was just a hard work. But I knew that if I kept trying, eventually everything would line out line up and I would come in contact with people who heard and felt music the way that I did. Um, I'm not real musically trained. I just know what I hear. And um, I knew that if I, I, I kept on, I would, I would eventually stumble across somebody <laughs> who, who, who heard it the way I did and was able to translate because I've had, let's be serious. I've had my nose broke four times and I can't sing worth a crap. So I need somebody who can do that. And uh, I knew uh, that they, that person was out there somewhere. <clears throat> so we put an ad out looking for a singer. We had some song. We had three songs written, I think. Got every karaoke singer for 100 miles respond. And we finally just like, we started, we forgot about the ad basically never took it down but forgot about it and then randy responded to the ad and so we sent him a song 740 and two days he sent it back done and we were blown away absolutely blown away that something could sound that good that we you know that quickly <laughs> that, that that we had created and so we invited randy to come out and jam with us and that first night, something happened, and uh, <clears throat> I, I think we were just wrapping up for the night. We we had a good practice. We played those three songs that we had and worked on those a little bit. And then I just started playing a riff. I don't even I I didn't have that riff going in. I just started playing. Just started noodling around. Started playing this riff, and Randy stepped up to the mic and started singing. And I think that those are the exact same lyrics. It was the song Widow. And I think that those are still the same lyrics. I think there's a demo, I think, on our on our website that is that song. And it happened immediately. And I there was that person. He immediately translated what, what was going on in my head. Uh, Randy is the... Anybody that knows Randy knows Randy. <laughs> He's eccentric. He's funny. He, he's got a huge heart. He's hardworking. Uh, you know, but underneath all the stuff that he lets people see uh, is an amazing human being. 
he's lived an amazing life. And he's got a great story to tell. And continually, time after time after time after time, I get around this guy, and whether i got an instrument in my hand or not, I feel like I feel inspired. I feel inspired that I want to get better musically. Uh, you know, I, I want to be a better friend. That's what that guy brings out in me, you know, and I love him, you know. Uh, we've been running around make, making music together for about nine years, a little over nine years, going on ten years. And I don't, I don't know what I'd do without him, you know. He's been he's been a part of my life through some some pretty rough patches and and I his and uh, and I just love him to death and so without further ado, <laughs> Randy Shanks. What's up, family? Joe B from Crusher Cast here. Got my friend Randy Shanks with us tonight. We're going to be sitting and chatting. Did you get caught in a storm? It seems like every time I do one of these, there's a massive freaking uh, yes, storm. Yes, I, I did. It, well, the guy uh, that I met right before here, he, he said that it's it's pouring real bad. I think there's a tornado. And I was like, well, I'm driving through it. So, you know, I have an interview. You know, so. <laughs> I have an interview. Yeah, so I did hit it, but uh, it didn't last long. It was one of those kind of in and out deals where it was like, oh, my God, it's real scary and there's lightning. And then <laughs> next thing you know, it was done. So. Did you have a good day at work today? It wasn't bad. wasn't bad. I don't Installing even, closets? Uh, today I did a shower door and mirrors, and the other crew that was with me did. I, I did minimal on the closets today. Uh, essential work. Yeah, essential it, work. You have to have a place to hang your clothes and wash your rear end. Right. Yeah. Is that strange in this world of COVID right now going into people's homes? I know it's got to be. Yeah, yeah, because every rule's different, you know. Mm -hmm. So Every uh, home's different. Yeah, yeah. Every, every person that you meet, they may answer the door with a mask and bubble wrap on and want you to, <laughs> want you to virtually wrap yourself up and come in and still work. Right. Or they want to reschedule. Uh, or they don't care about the mask at all, and they think that uh, they want to tell you all their conspiracy theories for the couple hours that you're there. Right. So, I mean, you you meet some some different kinds of folks. Some people know, just right? open the door and run to the kitchen and go, it's in there. Yeah, yeah. It's in there. Go in there. It works. Some people have done that. Some people have <laughs> opened the door, backed up, and then called and and didn't they don't have my number so they call our office Who and, calls the, and, you? and the office you may call, now enter the call, office calls me and they're like hey the lady left the door open you know so you don't know to go in so not only that now I'm going in someone's house with a mask on uh -huh. you know so it right. some yes it gets awkward it, it, you know <laughs> more awkward I'm sure I'm right. on a whole bunch of ring cameras entering somebody's house with a mask on right, right. now you know. <laughs> but it's all legally it's all legal yeah right. yeah it's all that's, consensual you know that's funny. So, <clears throat> I've got you here, my friend. Uh, this is Ordinary People Inspired Lives. And I'm starting with the people who inspire me. And you're one of those people. Awesome. Well, I feel like you're one of those people, so we'll flip well, this later. Well, whatever. So, I'm going to tell you now why you inspire me. All right, cool. And then we're going to get into who you are. And what your life has been like. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more about me together. Yeah. I know quite a bit. Good. But maybe I'll learn something. Yeah, about yeah, that. yeah. I'll, I'll try to be <laughs> as, uh, as hidden as possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> you answered an ad late, was it 2011? 
December. I don't remember the exact date, but yeah, it was 2011 or the, it was either. It was before Christmas because we said that we were going to wait to hook up. Yeah. So I don't remember if it was 2011 or 2012. I it, don't, was tw- it was definitely 2011. Okay. I just couldn't remember if it was yeah, before I, 2011 or... I don't know. So that means that we have been writing songs together for nine years. It goes quick, don't it? Yeah. Like, I, I know I'll be reminded on Facebook, you know, of how long we've been friends or whatever. And it makes me laugh because it's like, you know, there's people, you know, Glenn, whoever, you know, you've known your whole life. And then there's people you feel like you've known your whole life. Yeah. Um, but then there's like, I don't know, is a band in a band, it's different. You know, we mm-hmm. we still we spend a lot of time together, but we spend minimal time doing what we love together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you get to share that, it's a different kind of friendship than anyone else I'm friends with or yeah. ever have been friends with in and out of groups. Yeah. So well, <clears throat> one of the things <throat> I've wanted to be a musician my whole life. Me too. I know you. (laughs) (laughs) Me Um, too. I've wanted to be a musician my whole life, and it wasn't so much that I wanted to be, you know, there's different times in my life I wanted to, first time I heard Randy Rhodes solo, I wanted to, overnight, I wanted to be able to play Randy Rhodes music. I wanted to be a guitar player. I wanted to be in a rock band. Different reasons for wanting to be in a rock band, ladies and lots of drugs and stuff like that. But All um, the things we think we want. Right. Um, But most of all, I have wanted to be able to make someone feel, write a song that makes someone feel what I felt. Because there was, every time I broke up with a girl and I was sad or or uh, got a broken heart or I was happy, there's a song that was a soundtrack. For yeah, that. yeah, it carried you through for sure. Yeah. And, and it hit me. It seemed to hit me stronger and harder than it did other people. So I started trying to write music at some point. I got me a little Fostex. Remember the cassette recorder? Yeah, you know yeah, a little four trackers. Yeah. yeah, and I just started always trying. busted the lid off the front, but the tape <laughs> right. still worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My little Max L cassette that's been recorded over eighteen times. Yeah, there. but I started trying to figure out how to write music, and I could never really get very far. And then I got sober, and I kind of rededicated myself to learning music, and. I played with a few different guys, um, and we could play covers, and we get along good, I guess. But then when I'd start talking about originals, and I'd say, hey, you know, I know we're doing this cover thing, but come over by the house, and let's work on this original song I got. And it was like nobody ever heard what I hear in my head or what I was trying to say, and I was always looking for that person. You know, uh, our buddy Glenn, he was right there with me playing bass, and... But he was like, dude, show me what you do or show me your riff and I'll put something over the top of it. And it was always that way. Uh, But when it came to lyrics and vocals, I can't sing worth a shit. But I I always wanted to find that person who could say what I was trying to say in a way that I was trying to say and who could hear it in what I was doing. We sent you a song, 740. Um with no lyrics, no vocals. And up to that point, writing songs were like brutal and I hated it, but I knew I wanted to do it. It was just tedious process. You answered back in two days, sent us that song back. In how two long days. was that out? I mean, how long did you guys have that ad up? We had that ad up. We had given up on that ad. We put an ad in Craigslist 
looking for a vocalist uh, pre before it was Divide the Empire. It was uh, the three of us jamming. And we put an ad, Craigslist, and we got every karaoke guy around that somebody had ever said, hey, you're a great vocalist. And then the really established good vocalist listened to it, and it's kind of like, yeah, it's not my thing. We sent it to you, and in two days, you sent it back with vocals on it. And they were amazing. It, it blew me away what you were able to do with stuff we wrote. Especially with me on that little Fostech cassette deck, too. I mean, that was I the think amazing. you had the BR 1600. But. Yeah, I don't know where I was at that point, but not good recording equipment for, you know, overall. But it was able to hear. Yeah. And here's the part that inspired me. One of the most amazing parts that inspired me. You came for the first practice at the old storage unit where mm -hmm. we were practicing. And I just started playing a riff. I think I just noodling around, and I just started playing a riff, and it was Widow. Super simple, nothing extravagant, and you just stepped up to the mic and started singing. And you started singing like you already knew what I was doing. And that blew me away. And you continually do that. Ten years later, you're still doing that. We could go into that other room where we practiced and noodle around for a little bit, and I guarantee you within an hour you'll be spitting out some lyrics. No, we're just lucky. No, you're just talented. Well, and I mean, that that's awesome. You that, have a some, gift. Yeah, and, and we're trying to use it. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that the gift is uh, working, if, that, <laughs> if that's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I, but, but, but it was like, for me, it was like somebody who'd been missing. Like you said a minute ago, like we'd known each other a long time. And it, yeah, yeah. for me, it wasn't like we had known each other a long time, but it was like we picked up like we had. Yeah, well, that, and like I said, there's something about uh, what we were talking about way earlier before the camera went on about the whole idea about spiritual. There's something that binds ideas together. You don't know why. You know, whoever it was, let's say Tesla, when he was first mm -hmm. coming up with ideas for you know, generators and stuff like that. He would wrap one up and put it over here and wrap this one up and put it over here. And they are virtually the same thing, but a little different. And then maybe he realized that he needed to put these two things together to make the whole thing work anyway, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's what it is. These things may work out of place, but they work a lot better put together, you yeah. know? So I just treat it as like a puzzle. I feel like I've written music with a handful of different guitarists and, uh, riffers, whatever you want. Because mm -hmm. I don't think that there's really such thing as a song until every every piece is put in place. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're fortunate in that regard that I can't compare us to anybody, really. I mean, <laughs> when people ask who we sound like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, here's, go to DivideTheEmpire.com, mm -hmm. you know, check out my acoustic stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think that we sound, you know, I definitely, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm happy that it's worked out the way that it has. Mm -hmm. I think that it's been a cool road. Like you said, nine years. I mean, that that's a long time in itself to write original music. Most people that I know at this time, they they always ask me why we don't do cover bands because we sound like this. And I, I'm like, I, I love cover bands, but I love that there's other people that do that and, and we write. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't get as much money or as popular as those bands, so be it. It's not about that. It's about doing what you want. You know, mm -hmm. my friends want to go out there and rock. All those awesome songs. That's awesome. I'll go watch them. Rock of Ages. Yeah, whatever it may be, you know. But uh, I support that. Yeah. But I, I wish that there was a, 
a, a stronger minus COVID. I wish there was a stronger um, force right now to to get everybody out there and really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. nailing on a lot of these songs that we just put out not too long ago. You yeah. Know? So, <clears throat> not to get off on no, no, but so so the inspiration for me is is that like I think you said it real well just a minute ago that. There was a piece missing, yeah. and me being able to fulfill a dream and a passion of mine that's personal to me, and I had no idea that in that, I would also gain a brother and a friend. And, uh, and know, possibly some income. And possibly some income. You just never know, <laughs> you know? I mean. Um, so I know a little bit about it. So tell me what it was like for little Randy growing up. Where'd you grow up? Swan, were you uh, in Swansea or uh, no? I was I was born in Belleville. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived in Belleville till I was uh, eight. Um, normal childhood, single mother, mm-hmm. uh, welfare most of the time. My mom was in school. Um, were you conscious of the fact that yeah that we were well, poor? Yeah, that yeah. you're poor. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I my early memories of school were always having to either. Uh, Fight for dumb reasons, like because you wore Walmart Spalding shoes. <laughs> Tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and I and I was definitely integrated in a time in the '80s where I mean, it it, it was everybody. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was every creed of person together. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was an odd time in the '80s. I feel like people were what they call then joning on people for like their clothing and like what they wore. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I mean, I would get beat up by three or four people. And so my mom was like, well, we're moving to Smithton. Mm-hmm. So she, uh, I don't know how she pulled it off, but she had the, uh, there was like a government housing thing where they were building whole neighborhood of the same house. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, this is a, a school where it's only like 300 kids and it was kindergarten through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, so 300 kids, that's a pretty small town. You know? How old were you when you moved there? Uh, I think we moved there in 88 or 89. So I was eight or nine mm-hmm. during the move. And, uh, I don't know. It wasn't easy for me to adapt to this. And it was only seven miles away from Belvo, but it wasn't mm-hmm. easy to adapt to the country lifestyle that like I Like a whole I, other world? Whole other world. Uh, whole other world. I mean, uh, and I feel like, I guess when you, in that era, if you came from Belleville, you were like the bad kid, uh-huh. you know? And I had that stigma from the moment I hit Smith in school through high school, uh-huh. you know, that I was this bad kid. And uh, I think when you're told so long that you're a bad kid for a little while you believe it and you take a little bit too much advantage of it uh-huh. and then and I pulled out at the right time you know I'm <laughs> um I moved out of Smithen at the age of 17 and uh-huh. then I was on my own from then I moved right back to Belleville uh-huh. get your own place yeah yeah I, I just life had taken a weird turn at that point so mm-hmm. I, I was 17 with a full-time job and you know how did uh where where did you said mom was single. Where did music come in? Ah, uh, huge inspiration on my mother's end. She sang all the time. She actually, I didn't know this until what was her I, What was her favorite band when you were a kid? Do you remember? Uh, Grand Funk Railroad, Grand I want to say, Railroad. was probably right her, her favorite band. Yeah. Um, but then she loved the Moody Blues. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I mean, she she loved so much music. Joni Mitchell was her top. So I heard Joni Mitchell and Linda Ronstadt all the time. Some great vocalist. Great vocalist. <laughs> In fact, probably one of the main reasons why I would sing along with stuff so much. Now, at the time, I was a Michael Jackson kid, you know. Like, I remember the story. I mean, yeah, Michael Jackson was just I I'm not going to say Michael Jackson was in me cuz that's inappropriate, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I had the glove, I had the leather pants. You know, I I would I emulate everything that he did on television. So while my mom was there, I was there. And you got to remember, I was born in 80. So uh -huh. I was, when the King of Pop was at his prime, uh -huh. that's where I was, you know. The Ninja Turtles took over. Uh -huh. But, um, yeah, she she was a, a great singer. She still is. She can still hold a, a good good key. Um, but she played piano. And even though she took lessons, she could wing it on the piano. Uh -huh. And... uh she had dated this guy named Paul, and he had this acoustic guitar. I don't remember if it was him or his friend that had this acoustic guitar, and my mom was a pool shark. I mean, she could she could rack him up, you know? And uh, I'm trying to remember how this goes. One guy bet her that there was no way that she would win, and she said, well, you know, I'll take your acoustic guitar kind of thing. You uh -huh. know? And I got it. And that that was around the house forever. So I don't ever remember jamming with my mom, but I always had an, a guitar around. Uh -huh. So I had the Gorilla amp that everybody had at one <laughs> yeah. point, you know, like the yard sale amp. The G10. Yeah, and I had some <laughs> Tesco $25 guitar that I yeah. jammed around with my every once in a while. My first was a Tesco Del Rey. My mom can show you pictures of me rallying a bunch of kids together. In fact, I know she has the pictures because she said she was going to post them up, but... um. There's, I, I would play, I, I had instruments around my, my whole upbringing from eight, nine years old. My mom had a piano and then I would yard sale. I'd have a flute. I'd have a, a whatever it may be. <laughs> and I just collected these instruments and I, and I always was jamming around on them. Never really learned how to play. Uh, didn't you take some lessons? Yeah, well, time? that was later though. Later. So when I was in fifth grade. My great grandmother passed away and left me, or left my mother, a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like um, paying bills off and and credit card. And she she asked me if I wanted anything. And I, it may be cheesy, but at the time she had taken me to a to the Muni, and we saw uh, Michael Bolton and Kenny G. Mm. And they were like together jamming. Okay? It's a whole lot of hair, man. <laughs> it's a whole, <laughs> it's a lot, whole of hair. lot of hair. But I remember, like I said, I was about fourth or fifth grade at the time. Yeah. And uh, we had had this conversation on the way to the Muni, if there was anything that I would like. Uh -huh. And sure, as a kid, you're like, I want a golf cart or I want a go-kart or a motorcycle or, or, or something. You know, that would probably be most kids. Uh -huh. um, and I was like, I want to play saxophone. Oh. And and this was even before going. I knew what Kenny G was because mom listened to it. Uh -huh. I didn't really care too much. Yeah, I mean, at the time, like I said, I was a Michael Jackson fan, but I really connected with the overall sound of a saxophone. Uh -huh. I was like, wow, what a cool sounding instrument, especially how he was playing it. Uh -huh. um, but I always sang. You know, I was always singing around. You know, I don't think I was any good. I just I could hold a key at the time, hold a note, yeah. could do all these. Yeah. You know, I could I could pick a key and sing. You know, and and, and uh, you weren't working up any of your own melodies or anything like that? No, no. Um, but I, I played saxophone, took lessons, played saxophone um, for years. I played in, in the Millstot school band. Mm -hmm. 
there's only like four of us that played alto sax and I played alto sax from fifth grade lessons from fifth grade to seventh grade. And then I kind of gave it up and got more into guitar because I could sing and play this instrument. Mm -hmm. And I mean, naturally you can't play a note and then start singing and play another note on a saxophone. So, um, yeah, I went more that direction and then started to try to form bands Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, uh, as many people as I could, uh, mm-hmm. and then my my cousin Alex was a was a drummer, and then that kind of just kept going. But uh, yeah, I, I sang, um, I sang at church, I I uh, I always sang along with different records. So I mean, it was always in me from from youth of of, of mom. Just everything was music. I mean, mm-hmm. it was always a radio on, hardly any television. Mm-hmm. You know. So growing up, but back. I mean, and this includes mom and, and whoever else was a part of your life. I think I've got a good idea who you might say was one of them, but were there any mentors or people that you looked up to or people guiding you mm. uh, that stand out to you through all those years? As far as music goes? No, just life. Yeah. Um, I remember you talking about your grandpa a little bit. He yeah, well, I mean, for, for for sure my grandpa, but that's he was much more like the the father that wasn't there, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, and it was such a strange relationship. I mean, I, on comparisons to how I guess I see other people with their grandfathers. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa was one of those guys that he had six kids with all different women, pretty much. You Sound know? like my dad. Yeah. Um, not all. I mean, like my mom and her two brothers, they're the same mom mm-hmm. and dad, but then everybody else was, you know, Mm-hmm. single moms and stuff. Um, but he was never around for any of his kids. Mm-hmm. And then when my mom was 27 and had me, my grandma and grandpa wanted to be involved. Mm-hmm. So they had me every summer virtually, I mean, 12 to 14 years of my life. Every time I was off school, I was in Kentucky Good them, experiences you know? with them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess on, on the big comparison, you know, mm-hmm. anybody could have their, uh, you know, I wasn't treated great. I was disciplined and, and hit and yeah. stuff like that. But uh, those were all things, I think, that made me a better person. Mm-hmm. Anybody can argue that, that you shouldn't do what things are done if you explain it. But I don't know that I would be who I am today if it wasn't for that. So, yeah. so I, <clears throat> I know having— But yeah, definitely Grandpa. Hey. Not music, though. I thought we were, you know, still— No, coming. no, just in general in yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Any others? Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, there was a next-door neighbor uh, that was a 21, 22-year-old hot-headed guy, worked at a factory, drank, partied all the time. And I was a 9-, 10-year-old kid, and I saw him, and I and he was he lifted weights, and he listened to Ozzy Osbourne, and uh, he— he was cool when mm-hmm. I was nine or 10 years old, you know, and his dog was having puppies. So I begged my mom if I could have my first dog. Mm-hmm. And um, he like helped me. I don't know. He was one of them guys. I mean, he, he taught me how to fight. He, he taught me all sorts of things that even though he was rough and he was rough in his own life, mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I definitely watched him make some poor decisions. Plus, I watched him get arrested numerous times and just a lot of issues in his mm-hmm. own personal life. I don't think he realized that I'm much more of an uh, aware, noticer type person. And a lot of times I take things 
and I hold them dear as a, I will never do that, but thank you for showing me the way mm-hmm. uh, type approach, I guess. So mm-hmm. even though I saw him doing these things, I never told him that I was disappointed in him for, for doing those bad things. Instead, I learned from him. Yeah. He learned in whatever way, and he didn't have to know how I felt. Yeah. You know, so he, I didn't. sometimes the greatest. The best example is a bad example. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. I mean, I never followed in any of those same footsteps, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely that. Other than that, no. I mean, I mean, I, my mom was always an inspiration just because uh, I thought that it was really cool that she just worked so hard all the time, mm-hmm. you know, just, just give me whatever I wanted in a sense. And uh, she was naive enough that I got away with a lot of things. So my mom was always the real cool mom. She's going to hear this. She probably will. Yeah. But she was, the, she was the naive mom that I could just get away with stuff. And I still thought mm-hmm. I made okay choices. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't get caught on a yeah. lot of the stuff, you know, so I feel like I didn't get caught and I didn't, nobody got hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I know because I know the backstory on some of our music that we've written, and we've had enough personal conversations that at some point there was uh, some well, like meanings of stuff. Is he going to ask about? No, not specifically okay, on okay. S- specific songs, but just if Angela couldn't get it out of me. You ain't yeah, gonna get it I, out of me. <laughs> no, we'll see. Um, I I know that you got caught up in the whole. I don't know if it was Ritalin or, or whatever as, yeah, as a yeah. child got caught up in the uh, ADHD medication. Yeah, yeah, cycle. the the, uh, the behavior disorder BD mm-hmm. classes, yeah, yeah, full of medications and stuff like that for years. Um, How old were you when? I want to say, I mean, my mom would know for sure, probably second grade. Mm-hmm. Second grade, and then uh, I was on Ritalin, Clonidine, and Silert for eight years, seven, eight years. It was into high school. Yeah. And you don't, <clears throat> I know that you don't, you don't particularly care for the the thought of those. Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 uh, I, I'm very untrusting of medication and, uh, I'm not going to say so much doctors cause I, I don't think that it's a hundred percent a human error when it comes mm-hmm. to the medical field. But as far as the, uh, Tossing things to the wind and just seeing if it works oh, yeah. overall isn't the way that I Sling like it to. on the wall. And yeah, I don't like sticks. I don't like to handle things like that. Yeah, know? yeah. So, <clears throat> but you're not on anything now. No, no, nothing. Stepped out of it. And, yeah. yeah, and that was a, a, a my decision thing. I remember the the school, you know, the, the school nurse or whatever. You would go down at uh, noon lunchtime. Get I'd your, stop by there before I went to the cafeteria right. or whatever. You know, yeah. it was at Get the your time. Cup of pills. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, I, I think that it has something to do with being a little bit more awake at the time. I don't really know how to word that, but but knowing that, yeah. knowing, that, that. It, knowing that it was a, uh, it was something that I didn't enjoy, I didn't agree with, uh, I didn't find logic in, but some reason was still doing it mm-hmm. um, because it was so-called helping me. Mm-hmm. Uh, focus or or whatever you know and uh yeah that was a it was a strange time mm-hmm. i remember voicing it a lot um but it never really going anywhere until i said well this is how it's going to be like i'm not going to be you taking these I'm anymore done. and if there's anybody who doesn't like it i don't care you know mm-hmm. it's that simple it's my body my choice I'm you know done. so yeah 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, that's how that went. But yeah, I remember I had more problems in school because whatever that pent up uh, energy or whatever it is that you want to call it or distraction that you have uh, was easily focused by certain individuals, uh, certain teachers. It was about the way that things were approached. Um, I uh, and, and looking back at it, I will take after uh, reading, you know, different things that, you know, they, well, just knowing humans in general. I mean, when you, when they, when you don't fit in the box, mm-hmm. you know, they tend to not take that box, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So they push you aside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, it, I, I get it. If I was trying to teach a group of people and, and, and one of them wasn't getting it, getting it. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I would think, okay, well, these 20 are getting it and this one isn't. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't put pills on it, mm-hmm. I guess would be the, yeah. it, it wouldn't be my approach. But uh, you look into the 80s at what, I mean, you, you go back in time of what medical his thought was mm-hmm. correct. And then yeah. smoking was a stress reliever. Yeah, at one point. <laughs> I mean, they, they believed that lobotomies helped with things, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, uh, Doing the study uh, myself, getting older and understanding, um, has made me less, uh, I, I guess, bitter about some of it mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a sense. But again, I mean, I'm I'm here, mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing all right, you know. So yeah, absolutely. So and I feel like I took those uh, negatives uh, in a sense and used it more like a like a superpower, you know. I, I mean, I, I do have whatever issue of how I do things, but I'm sure you have the way that you do things, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. it may not be that different, especially to put a medication on. It might just be a a better way of doing something or a different way, Mm -hmm. you know? So. Yeah. They, when we were kids, they just, they just said we were a hyper kid, go play. Don't come back till supper, you know? And it's, it's weird. I've watched it, you know, without getting too far into it, you know, now any kid that is busy, (laughs) <laughs> you know, he's got a problem. Yeah. You know, well, how about teach him how to build a clubhouse or something? Yeah, Take for him sure. Out, burn some energy, you know. Um, so if you could go back to little Randy, and it could be Randy of any age, little Randy of any age. Because, I mean, you you were on your own at 17. You know, didn't you buy your own house before your? Uh, no, uh, I bought my first house at 22. 22. Okay. Um, but you, so, I mean, still, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's now way farther than I was at 22. I was 17 when I moved. It was, it was, I was a weird, it was basement. a, it was a weird time. So I was almost 17 and I got a phone call from a girl that, that, uh, she was pregnant. Mm. And, uh, it was really one of those deals where I met this girl at a party and 45 minutes later she was pregnant. Mm. I mean, I, it's really no joke from there. Um, and we tried to be together for about three years and, um, you know, we were kids, Yeah. you know, so, uh, it didn't work out. She, you know, and I didn't get my son and she went and, uh, got remarried. Well, we weren't married, but went and got married and had a few other kids. And, uh, and then he raised my son and they lived in a whole other area. They lived mm-hmm. in California for a while and then Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So, but I immediately had to become an adult at almost 17 mm-hmm. years old mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I didn't want to follow in the same footsteps as the way my father was. So I wanted to be there, but I realized that I was just so young, you know, and her parents were military that, you know, that there was just things they were willing to do for her and him that was just better. 
at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I was young. Again, yeah. you know, I, I didn't I didn't know what was better, but I knew that I didn't have I worked at Shoe Carnival mm-hmm. and I lived in a apartment that had cockroaches in it and I had a mini fridge with ramen noodles and mustard. Mm-hmm. So I knew that me going, No, oh, I'm gonna be a great dad was not the truth. Mm-hmm. So um but, yeah, I, I, I immediately after that had to become a an adult. Yeah. So so if Randy of today of 2020 well <laughs> there's all kinds of things he'd tell a little Randy oh, of yeah, 2020. All, all Let's sorts look, of it, Okay, yeah. of 2019. Randy of 2019, if he could go back and and give some advice to little Randy, what would he give him? What would he tell him? Mm, how little you tell me. Yeah, I would go pre-medication and uh Yeah, I would go pre-medication and I would say don't ever don't ever let anyone feed you something that you're not hungry for. Mm. So, I like that. Yeah, that would that would be the really the only thing that I would go back and change. Everything else I I believe that if I went back and changed it it'd be like what Doc said about about the time machine and if you go back and mess with too much stuff, you can mess up the whole space-time continuum. <laughs> You know, you are the third guest I've yeah. had who has mentioned Back to the Future. Well, on that, that's what we back to 1985. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about the dark times. Everybody's got them. Yeah, what if you're in and out of them for 39 years? Okay, tell what, me about what, what, that. What, yeah, I mean, I can't really say. You mean? You mean? Dark is in depression, or yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I will say that. Uh, I mean, I've never been like this happy person all the time. I've always been known as the guy who tries to make everyone laugh, you know. And I think that if that's true, and I don't feel like I'm doing that, but I always feel like I'm known as the funny dude, you know. Um, that everyone who's ever been super funny has been a little dark. Uh, it just is the way it is. Um, I don't think that, that that means anything other than that's just who you are. Um, so I've never been one of those guys that looks – I'm pessimistic about most things. I always feel like um, even though I'll do it, I don't think it's going to go well. Always. I've always been that way. If, uh, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm not good at places like Six Flags and things like that, because I hate rides. I Me hate too. them. I mean, <laughs> but I've got all it, the reasons it, for it. Well, now, and I've been on all of them. Uh-huh. Three times in my life, I've been on I mean, from Raging Rivers to the Log Thing to the Ninja to the Screaming Eagle to the pirate ship that uh-huh. I barfed on everybody on. <laughs> I've been on all those things, and every single one of them give me a headache, make me sick, and for like four or five days, I feel like I have the flu. So if people are like, I'm going to pay buttloads of money to do this, I'm just going to go, okay. Okay, you go do that. You go do that. Right. But now I'm not going to, Mm -hmm. you know? So a minute ago, you you touched on the funny guy. Masking the other things, you know? Yeah. Um, One of the things I remember from, it started at that first practice that you came. You have got to be one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. And that's, that's the snapshot I got in the beginning. And almost 10 years later, 
you're still one of the funniest human beings I've ever met, but I see the underside of it too, you know, probably more than some people. There's, I know there's other people who see I'd be willing it. to bet because I'm the most vulnerable when I'm writing. I, yeah. I definitely feel that way. Anytime yeah. that I'm, I'm right, especially with other people, it'd be almost like if, uh, and then this may be a weird thing to, I'm just trying to come up with an uncomfortable comparison, but let's say that uh, once a week, all of us went into a urinal uh, that or a bathroom oh. that had no dividers. Uh-huh. So we were all just peeing just together okay. right there in the open. Okay. That's how I feel whenever I'm completely writing with a group of people. Just exposed. Yeah, that uh, anything that I feel that's going to come out from a chord that you strike or a chord that Steven hits or that I hit, most of the time if I hit it, I've already hit it before and I know mm-hmm. how the feeling is going to react. But when you when you write with, uh, or when you're working on new material, maybe not now, but in the beginning, mm-hmm. it it felt more like just a vulnerable situation, uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. it's like that roller coaster thing, like I said. Mm-hmm. If you don't like something, why do you do it? But you do. People who like roller coasters probably really don't like them. They don't like mm-hmm. being jarred or having their stomach messed up after right. they just ate a funnel cake. But there's something about it that's an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, probably no different than people like to drive fast or skydive, skydive, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that um, when we're writing. But mm-hmm. when we have finished a song, it used to be that it was um, like a euphoric feeling, like I let go of something or or I could just talked to a, um, a counselor, you know. And when we record it and it's out on plastic digital, I feel even more complete that mm-hmm. that this chapter has been said, you know. I call it exercising demons, man. You got to get them out. (laughs) But I I realize more now than ever, though, that uh, the songs change what they mean. Uh, You mean once they're out? Yeah, like come back and revisit them. Once it's once it's out and you don't listen to it anymore. um, I know we practice it, and at practice, it doesn't feel the same way. But when we're performing it, um, I get vulnerable again because I hope. That no one knows what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like, I guess, if you were a hacker, you don't want anybody to find out what your numbers are. You know how they can get in there and figure mm-hmm. that out. But you still do it, and that's kind of how music is. Whenever we're writing, I, I get to the point where I'm like, man, you know, I, I if I say this too clearly and not cryptic enough, mm-hmm. I'm giving away a little too much of who I am. You mm-hmm. know. Or I'm opening too much of something that I shouldn't be messing with, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I kind of... It's not like we're deep. Like, right, you know, but I mean, just personally, I think, no, you know, I, get I, it. No. I mean, we're not writing opeth music here, no. but <laughs> but I'm saying as far as like how I feel as a lyricist, it just is what it is. But it's, you, know? you can only speak what you can speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember one time we were on stage, we were, we were getting... I think we were sound checking, and uh, I had already sound checked, and I was just kind of messing around, and you were get getting dialed in, and I knew something was bothering you that night. Um, still don't really know what it was, but I looked over, and you looked at me, and it, it, I, I won't say that you had a scared look on your face, because there was nothing to be scared of, but... Um, I saw that vulnerability 
in you. I saw that you, because you, you looked at me and you asked if I was all right. And I said, well, yeah, I'm fine. And I could see that you weren't, but you were checking to see if maybe I was in, I think that you were kind of seeing if I was in the same spot you were in or something like that. And um, then I got worried. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, did I play bad? Did I? Or, no, no, we played an amazing. No, no, no. That's what I'm thinking. Were you thinking like, did I? Did I? Was it? No, whenever we, I asked you if you were all right, no, you know? it was before the show. Oh, okay. It was okay. before the show. We were just getting dialed in and everything. And for whatever reason, that night you you appeared worried. Before, I mean, once we got on stage, everything was fine. Yeah, yeah. But but the when you looked at me, I saw it in your eyes that it, I, it wasn't scared. It was just. I could tell you you felt vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and uh Well it definitely is. It just is. It's a it's a strange place. Mm -hmm. And maybe not musically. Uh -huh. Like when we're playing the guitar, you know, I, I hope I don't fumble, I hope my amp don't go out, you know, all that basic stuff yeah. that I'm sure everybody feels. Uh but as a singer, uh it you know, one, you don't want to forget your lyrics, or two, you don't want to get so deep into the song that you feel it again. Yeah. I want to be able to give you that performance that, that you're like, oh, yeah, I just went and saw Divide the Empire, and it was a great show. But I don't want – well, yeah, you know, like when people come to the stage and they say, man, your voice was so soulful, soulful or whatever that may be or just mm -hmm. so powerful. Um, that's great. That's awesome. That's a great thing whenever people say that to me. But they don't know where I just came from right. in a sense. You know, um, it's weird. Now, more than ever, I understand why artists don't want to talk to you before or after a performance because they're getting ready to visit a place that they really didn't want to visit again. They didn't know they wanted to visit it again. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you write and write and you hope that someone loves your song and listens to it all the time and learns all the words and uh, you know comes to all your gigs. But then when you have to perform that song again... Maybe not everybody. If you've got a happy watermelon crawl song, then you're probably happy to perform it every night long, you know? But if it's a song that goes back to yeah. uh, a personal feeling, and then you have to relive that every time, it, it, it can become where you're like, I don't want to become attached to this song, which is, it's odd. It, it's an odd entity that ends up happening if it's yeah. a good song. So <clears throat> I kind of equate it, the Robin Williams scenario you know um do you think that the humor and the music could be albeit healthy ones uh defense mechanisms to yeah kind of, to kind of put some armor on against that that vulnerability that yeah you're yeah about. yeah for sure for sure uh but well like we said about people that are you know they they covered up with being funny or or being um you know, something like I, I think extravagant that, over. Yeah, the top. I, I yeah. think that it's definitely a mechanism to deal with whatever it is that has damaged you throughout life. Mm -hmm. It just is. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, and it's how you. It's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, I used to think that it was a bad thing. You know, when people say that um, it, it, I shouldn't say it like that. It's. There's a threshold of darkness that is okay. And then there's a threshold of it. I need to talk to somebody and make sure this don't go south. Mm -hmm. So I have been in both of those places, and I have been able to talk to the right people and read the right articles that help me find my balance again. Mm -hmm. So I, I assume that, that that's the way everybody works. Mm -hmm. You have to – if you start to feel like your darkness is a little bit more than your light, then it's time to look 
you know, in better places or different mm-hmm. places or change up something that is that you're doing, even if you don't know why you you're doing it, you just, you just do it, mm-hmm. you know? So do you, do you, I know you practice some yoga, um, Nikki, your wife is ex yoga instructor, probably still yoga yeah, yeah. instructor. Still licensed, but yeah, she's a potter. Yeah. You know. And, uh, she's actually everything. I yeah. Mean, she, she's, she does, you know. She's a Renaissance woman. Yeah, definitely. yeah, for definitely. sure, for sure. Ah, funny bone. Oh, the Edit. New stool gets the first. Edit. No, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> the new stool oh, gets somebody. Oh, um, edit. So, <laughs> so, so is yoga. I know yoga is one of the things you do for to kind of balance that out. It started with just from sciatica. Uh, mm-hmm. And then my chiropractor made me laugh because uh, he goes, uh, you know, are you feeling any better? And I was like, eh, sometimes, you know, I said, but yoga has been helping. He goes, oh, yeah, where are you doing yoga? And I said, my wife's yoga studio. And uh, he's like, your wife teaches yoga? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, why do you come to me? And uh, so then I guess I guess it's been about five years now mm-hmm. that I've been doing yoga. But I would go to her classes. And then she's a great yoga instructor, and all the ladies there, we had a lot of fun, you know. And I, I but I think I stuck with it one because it was helping, and two because it was like these ladies in my class were 65, 70 that could do more than me at like 34, or 35 years old. <laughs> Take you know? an ego hit. And I'm like, what is going on here, you know? I mean, I know I'm no Ralph yeah. Macchio, but what the hell, you yeah. know? Yeah. But is there some stress relief in that on, on the emotional? Uh, yes. Now, I, I have never, uh, Without being under the influence, I have never been able to reach uh, a Zen in meditation to where I could actually like disappear from myself. Um, again, you know, like I said, without any kind of help. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I do believe that yoga is an unbelievable, powerful tool that if you unleash, and it's not about the whole uh, bending and and you know, I mean, it, it is, but it isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. not only do you find that. Parts of you that should not be sore that were, that once you work that out or you focus on pain. Um, the focus on the breathing. And stuff. Uh, well, I the focus on the, the reason, uh, yeah, to focus on the breathing to, but, but if you put yourself in a, if you get yourself in a pose that's going to be uncomfortable, and if you do yoga, you will put yourself mm-hmm. in poses that are uncomfortable. You learn how to face pain in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it becomes something to where you, other things don't hurt, oddly enough. You stub your toe, it doesn't hurt as bad. You jam your finger, it doesn't hurt as bad because now you know how to take those breaths and make pain focus in a different way. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is a great tool in itself. You know. mm-hmm. Dead airspace. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a yogi as far as I don't no. know every pose. I have about seven poses that I do, and then I you know, do basic push-ups and, and then plank where I just lay there and just virtually think about stuff. I'll come home from work, take a shower, you know, put on my basketball shorts and just sit down on this rug and just, well, not even sit in a style, just lay completely down. Mm-hmm. And I don't go to sleep. I just focus on escaping my job, my mm-hmm. writing ability, my life in general, mm-hmm. you know, and just focus just shut on it all off. For a yeah. Bit. No. And actually I, I do better with no music, no, mm-hmm. no sound whatsoever, just mm-hmm. as quiet as could be, you know? So are those things that, you practice on the regular. And I do yoga probably. I want to say that I do a few poses every day, mm-hmm. but I probably only do um, a half hour to an hour, maybe once a week, mm-hmm. like a full. Um, so not as much as I should. You should yeah. really do about an hour a day if you really want to. Find, but I was doing that 
in the beginning. Yeah, I thought you were doing it pretty regular. Yeah, yeah, I was doing much more earlier. And then now that I've lost weight and gotten stretchier and bendier, I don't do it as much. <laughs> I like that you said bendier. So <clears throat> who is Randy today? Where's, I know you just battled some health problems. Yeah, I'm still, out yeah, the other side yeah, of those yeah, and, still battling that a little bit here and there. Lost a ton of weight. Yeah, it's been a weird... I mean, I'm sure everybody for 2020 is going to say this was not my year, you know. <laughs> right. So I'm going to say that as of January 18th, I had uh, some major health stuff, scared the crap out of my wife. And from there, I took a different approach. I decided no medications and, and stuff. I was going to completely change my diet and hopefully fix myself naturally. Mm -hmm. And it's working. I'm, I'm what is it, it's going to be seven months in, and mm -hmm. that's. Um, How much weight are you down? 65 pounds. 65 pounds. Yeah, 65 pounds. And 67, depending on the morning. You know, and, I, and I have the tendency now, I'm getting on the scale every morning, which it's a weird addiction, but yeah, I get on there and I notice if it's a, and, but I, I did this to myself the other day and wish I wouldn't have done it, but I got on there and it was like a pound more. And so I didn't eat that day. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I don't need to fall into some weird mental because I am I'm definitely OCD. So if I see a number and I get fixated on that number or dude, I still hang up my clothes to where it's like black shirts, red shirts, tan pants, jeans, you know. So I gotta watch myself, you know. Some of your quirkiness with those things is it's some of the things I love <laughs> I don't know why. I, have to, I mean and things have to be uh, lamps if you want to go into that. You know <laughs> oh, I mean God. I I am a lamp addict. I collect lamps from everywhere, from everywhere imaginable. If you have lamps and they're unique, and I even make lamps. <laughs> we had to put a no more lamp in yeah. the rehearsal studio. So if you want to know Ooh. some inside information, I have some strange addiction to lamps because of the golden light that they put off and certain lamps with like the tweed lampshade. I love them. He loves lamps. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so so who's Randy today? Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, I feel like I am more compassionate than ever before, um, and then I analyze Just in general. Yeah, and I analyze things uh, better than ever before. Like I used to be. I said earlier in the interview, I'm I'm pessimistic, which I I, I believe is a. a a trait that I will just have to have. I can't, I can't change that. But my wife is very optimistic. Um, so for everything that I think's not going to go well, I have her like that big dog and that little dog, like, what are we going to do now, George, you know, mm -hmm. kind of situation. It's kind of what I feel like. Uh, anytime I feel like I am not confident, maybe not confident, but pessimistic about something. She's always there to say, it's going to be great. It's going to turn out perfect, you know? And then we bicker that, that she's wrong and I'm right. Right. I'll show you. And then a lot of times, a lot of times, she's right. Mm -hmm. And you think after 17 years together that it would change my pessimistic views, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It actually secures them even more to try and prove her wrong, you know? <laughs> How's that working out? <laughs> it's not. It's not. So, but there, there's a good balance to that because she, she's the things that I'm not. And, uh, the yin and the yin. Yeah. And I really believe that that's, that, that's a, a huge factor in who I am today because I think that if I was with somebody pessimistic, 
that we would just be unhappy together. Just you go know around I mean? starting fires together. Yeah, yeah. Shit. We would just we'd be the bar couple that was just inviting people outside to beat you know to just beat them together. You know, uh, Bonnie and Clyde or something. You know, yeah. but uh, but she really does. I mean, she balances me in a way that I feel like I'm better today than I would have been uh, today without her. You mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah, I, I can't say who I am today. I would say that I'm a much more compassionate Randy than I ever feel like I have been. I'm a much more um, open-minded, not stuck in my ways. You know, I think it's easy for you to get stuck in your ways, but to to force yourself to branch out. And a lot of times I think I branch out because of my wife, you know. Mm-hmm. There's things that I would not do, you know. Uh, would you Would you be sitting at a at a getting a manicure and a pedicure like our drummer is right now. I'm not against I'm not against somebody uh getting all the dead skin and stuff off my feet, but however, it'll go right back to that peeing in the urinal thing without the little door. It's just not something that I'm probably going to do. It's, you're I'm, not going to go out and have a cocktail while you're getting I, I'm not cleaned. into mojitos and being touched and stuff like that. Man card, pulling it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I mean, I'm the more compassionate Randy mm-hmm. than I ever have been before. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that if if somebody likes that mm-hmm. and that's what they want to do, yeah, more power to you. Right on. You know, make me feel bad now. I'm still gonna bust your balls. Yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> it's important to probably. I mean, Keith is. He's not the easiest one in the band to to mess with. That's all of us. Oh. All of us can get one over on each other at one time or another. Although I will say that the way we jam, since I'm the front man, I'm always in front and the fan's there. So if I fart, it's getting everybody. So I am the crop duster. <laughs> You're horrible last week. Or the walrus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So what are you up to now? I know you got... Uh, bunch of Echo Trace CDs and shirts. Yeah, two there. boxes of Echo Trace shirts and uh, CDs. Due to COVID, we weren't able to have our CD release party, so I just hexed the whole deal. Uh, <laughs> because uh, sale. yeah, let, let, let me go off of how the Echo Trace thing is. I'm going to put it into like a crowbot situation or uh, them crooked vultures. Nowhere near as good, but still, I think a well put together record if you get your hands on it. Uh, Keith and I formed Echo Trace around the same time Divide the Empire came together, so nine, eight, nine years ago. And we had uh, five song ideas. Those five song ideas turned into 13 songs, and we had them that whole time. Mm-hmm. And we went into the studio in 2014, I think. Does that sound right? 2015, about okay. five years ago. Yeah, so 2015, and recorded that album. Did our overdubs, did all of our stuff, mixed, mastered it, boom. Couldn't ever... No, I'm sorry. It took from 2015 to 2018 before they were done and printed. Mm-hmm. But 2019 was a busy year for... But didn't you... You brought in a bass player three years after the start. Yeah, took, yeah. So, so he had yeah, to come back in. Yeah, and, added and in. Track. Yeah, we had to yeah. redo a couple yeah. things, remix and master That's because we added a bass player. Yeah, yep. but still... The album was like an overall five, six years to get it done and packaged. And then um, when we had the CD release party planned, it got 
canceled due to this COVID thing. So it was a bummer, but at the same time, the CD's so old and played out in my book. Everybody knows the songs. You can buy them on any any outlet, Amazon, all that stuff. So uh, unless the world makes some huge comeback, just order the CDs and I will send it to you or download the MP3s. <laughs> you got shirts. Yeah, I got shirts. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do $10 shirts and $10 CDs if you buy them together. If not, they're going to cost more. But yeah, Echo Trace. And yeah. Div- Divide the Empire, we got a song sitting in the can right now. We got two more to write to complete our fourth record. Yeah, for volume three, which is exciting. And and again, uh, life schedules have changed. Mm-hmm. Jobs are changing. Just things in general are changing. So it's making it more of a challenge, which is maybe good. Maybe it'll, you know, I mean, it's it's been frustrating for everybody, yeah. I'm sure. But mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I think I've been the biggest crybaby in Divide. The no, I mean, I, no, well, I mean, no, no, I mean, I, I'm sure whatever you said, we all felt, yeah. you know, so I don't think you're alone. I just think that if we all voiced it at the same time, we'd all sound like we were arguing. So, yeah. um, and then you've just, which I'm over, over the freaking top proud of you for this one, uh, for three years. Talking about going in and doing something on my own. Yeah. Three years you've been writing on a loop station and, and working and working stuff out on pages own. and pages of lyrics that I think are just so good. Yeah. You know, and you're I'm, finally, is this coming to fruition? You just went last, uh, it was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, last weekend. Last Friday, Friday before last? Uh, no, no it was, la- this last, it was Friday. Last, fr- yeah. last Friday, went in the studio, you tracked your first one. Uh, well, Kind of, kind of track. Yeah, yeah. I, pl- I played drums. Dissected. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of stuff. My first time playing. Work yeah, and... first time playing every instrument. Even though most of them were the only thing I played really was my guitar. As far as instruments, everything else I played was through MIDI mm-hmm. stuff. So pretty much buttons and yeah. and keys. But uh, it's going to be cool. You know, I mean, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I know I sent you the rough. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that it's it's definitely different than anything I've done mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I hope that people dig it. I'm going to put some more time into it, but hopefully get it out by the end of August or the beginning of September. This this, this song, yeah, just the single. I, you know, I, I don't know which direction to go if I should try to make my own video. You know, I mean, we're mm-hmm. on low budget, so, I mean, should I try to make a video or should I mm-hmm. just put the single out and make it downloadable for everybody? I, I don't know how to approach it, you know. Mm-hmm. Universal lets you know when it gets close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you you know how it is. I mean, you just get excited. You're like, I want everyone to hear it, you yeah. know. But then at the same time, I don't want anybody to hear it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I don't a, want to be vulnerable. Yeah, you know, like I don't want anybody to judge it, but yeah. I want everybody to judge it. You right. know, so it's it's the stupidest <laughs> thing ever that that's how we are. But oh, that's hilarious. So, do you have anything that you uh, see? We've plugged Echo Trace. We've plugged your new. Do you have a name for your new project, or, or no? Just no. Right now, it's just going to be Randy Shane. Yeah, right now, as of right now, it's just going to be me putting a song out. I don't really have a, a name for it. Uh, a name for the overall project. The if, Shankerton Blues Express. Yeah, or? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> and I didn't want to be pretentious. My my name's Randall, so uh-huh. I was like, should I have some kind of thing that was like just Randall? You know, I think you and should then, call it Philippe. And then, and then as soon as soon as I thought of that, I thought of when Garth Brooks tried to do that Chris Gaines thing Uh-oh. with like the wig on and stuff. And I thought, yeah, yeah, it was like a little soul patch and stuff. And I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I mean, I don't know that people will take things like that, yeah. but I know as soon as I think of that, it makes it harder for me to crush that decision, yeah. it, or it makes it easier for me to crush that yeah, and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not going to pull that. 
Yeah, yeah. Not gonna do that. Not gonna happen. You know? So I, I would like to maybe put together a music video uh, that expresses the overall song. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't know. You know, unless there, you know, I, I could come up with a GoFundMe, I guess. You know, but I don't really want to be that guy either. I want to be yeah. able to fund my own projects. You know, so. yeah. That's that's where I'm at with the GoFundMe for music and stuff like that. I don't. I'm, I'm I mean, sure some people have done it successfully and it's yeah. not great, but I, yeah, I'm just if I can't do it on my own or with funds that we've done from a show. I, I want to reap my own benefits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, I want so. control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want control. Well, and I know, I know me. a lot of those things where they're like, give you this or, you yeah. know, free stuff if yeah. you do it. I mean, then that's all great if it works out for you. But yeah, I think on this one, I'm going to try and come up with some uh, concepts of how to release each one to make them more unique, mm-hmm. you know? But... That's a, this is the time to do that because everybody's trying something new. Yeah, I mean? yeah, it's a it's a great downtime. I mean, th- this year has just been odd. That's the best way to put it. Is odd. I'm writing this year off. I remember we had a big um, New Year's Eve party that unfortunately you couldn't make, but it was a great time and everybody was so positive about. It was so cool. We're going into the 20s. You live in this house from the 20s, you know. And we have, and uh, you know, then January hit as far as like my health. And I was like, okay, that's a bummer, you know. And then what was it, March? Let's March. say middle yeah, of March. I went down Mar- end of March twenty third. Yeah, when, when this I whole down, quarantine yeah. and everything happened, and then all of a sudden I was deemed essential, and I was still already in pain, healing. So I was going to work every day in pain, uh, as many ibuprofen as you could take in a day, and then I worked like that for a while, and then I was like, okay, nothing. I'm just going to heal, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been rough, but at the same time, it's been uh, a learning experience mm-hmm. on. You know, if you, uh, there was an old dude one time that told me, he's like, How old are you? We're in a job site. I'm 20 something. He goes, I I want you to remember something. In your 20s and 30s, you can do what you want, but in your 40s, your check engine light's going to come on. So just remember that. (laughs) And I swear to it, when I was in the hospital and they were poking and prodding around on me, I thought to myself, My check engine light's on. My check engine light is on. And yeah, next month I'm going to be 40. And uh, so I think that attributes a little bit to the dark time swing that I'm in right mm. now, you know, a little bit of that. A little you know? midlife going on. Yeah. Pockets and jingling, all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So anything else you want to plug? Cal- or I was going to say California closet. Con- uh, closet yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I do I do custom closets and bathrooms for IllinoisCloset.com, uh, IllinoisCloseticConcepts.com. Mm-hmm. I've been there for uh, 21 years, and uh, it, it's it's been cool. You know, it, it's a it's a like I said, it's a weird it's a weird thing that um, I remember telling my grandpa when I was 19 or 20 that he, I was doing carpentry work for a closet company, and he's like. Well, there can't be no money in that. Who cares about their closets, you know? And and at the time, you know, it was pretty big, but it wasn't near as big as probably once. Like, right, probably back when the the first wire shelf closet started yeah, coming up. Yeah, and, and well, don't stuff. get me wrong. We still do a lot of oh, wire. I'm you know, sure. we do we do a lot of wire. Um, but uh, I do more. Do I, I do more of the the custom in. Yeah, and it, and it's it's amazing, amazing how uh, HGTV and. Uh, all those home improvement shows made my job. Everyone had to have it more lucrative. <laughs> yeah, for sure, more lucrative. I mean, and 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 so those are the reality shows I support. The yeah, ones that yeah. now the the downside is though is that it made it put a false sense of the idea that you can finish a project in a day yeah. or in a week. 
Um, and, and, and Dave and, says the same thing about yeah. the tattoo shows did to his. Well, industry. somebody come in wanting a full back piece in six hours. Yeah, and, and, and I and I think that is uh, it's no different than when we talk about porn. Give a false sense of how quick a plumber will come to your house. <laughs> you know, it's that it's that same saying. You yeah. know, I mean, there's just yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you watch something and you're like, hey, you know, uh, that that is exactly what it's done to us. It's it's blown us up. It's made it to where we have thirty different colors of things that can go into your closet. Uh, I want to say a hundred different configurations and glass for your shower door. And, you know, people ask me all the time after all those years of doing it, you must have a beautiful bathroom. And I was like, yeah, I have a shower curtain. (laughs) I change it every six months. I'm pretty much just in there to shave poo and clean up, you know, like I'm not, I'm not that guy, but I am very happy for the people who want all that fancy stuff. (laughs) Yes. Um, that's just not me. Yeah. Um, I'll buy guitars with my <laughs> shower door guitars. money. Yeah. <laughs> and houses for my wife. Right. And uh Nikki got some businesses going on right now? Yeah. Um, you know, sadly enough, I can never remember. I mean, Nicole Shanks, you can find, you know, I mean, you Google her and you'll find uh-huh. all of her pages because I mean she's got Weave and Wobble. Weave and Wobble. Um, you know, she teaches looming, she teaches um yoga still. Pottery. She does all of her pottery. She's a professor, a ceramics pro- a professor at Jefferson College, St. Charles Community College, and Swick College in Belleville. Um, but everything's kind of shifted, you know, mm-hmm. so we don't know come August if she'll be doing as many of those. Yeah. I know Jeffco is open um, for that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, how do you do pottery and ceramics not being there? You know, it's not possible, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's a skill you're learning. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she looms. She does just all this really cool stuff. I, f- I forgot what they call that though. It's like uh, not just looming, but it's like fabric, textile. Yeah, textile work and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, just make some incredible stuff. So yeah, I mean, we're both our our family used to say we were the hippies because I played music, and uh, and she was always making stuff or wearing mm-hmm. like you know hippie style clothing. I guess if that's what you want to call her. Or they we were bohom- uh, bohemians. That's it. I got something she made me. Brought me tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the incense burners. Nikki made me some incense burners. Yeah, those are cool. Those. You know the bummer part is is that most of the time when I ask her to make me some, it takes forever. I asked her a long time ago. But... Yeah, you must have put in a better order than me. Now, I will say though, the cool part about being her husband is she makes something I really like. I just use it before she gets a chance to. Like she made this new coffee cup for herself. <laughs> Sorry, you got to get to the coffee <laughs> machine first. I've been using she's that. She's a great cook, though. Dude. Yeah, so yeah. She, I'm eating Quest bars and cheese sticks over here, and you're you're getting these gourmet cheese plates. Uh, yeah, the other day she she said something to me about. Um, she goes, "I'm going to make a panini. Do you want one?" And uh, I was like, uh, "Sure," and not really knowing the the version of me that really knows what a panini <laughs> is, other than it's like a cooked sandwich, you know. So I didn't really think much of it, right, you know. Right. And it's virtually like homemade bread. So she went that far. She makes the sourdough bread or the uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. whatever the bread is, uh-huh. um, and then she made like this pesto stuff, which I'm not even 100 percent sure what that is. It's I like, saw I saw a picture of that. It's like olives and I don't know what it is. I'm not even going to pretend that yeah. I know. It's stuff. It's, it's green. It's, it's green stuff. Okay, yeah. and it's bulleted up. However, it's a little puree, you know. Uh-huh. 
And uh, it's great to dip cheese it's in it. I was doing that too. Uh, but anyway, she put that on the bread along with like some broccoli and some prosciutto and some cheese and then grilled them however she grilled them where they, you know, cr- crusty on the sides. and she just panini-nized crispy. them. Yeah, she panini-nized them. <laughs> and uh, they were amazing, but I wouldn't know really any difference. of that. I mean, yes, it's amazing, but I mean, I, I don't, I would have never had it if we weren't married. Right, like, right. So I, I don't know that I've ever had another panini. I probably have had a cooked sandwich like that before, <laughs> but I don't think that I've ever had that same green stuff and the prosciutto and the, and I can't even say whatever the cheese was because she picked it up in some place, some little farm town, you know? So she even goes out of her way to get the best cheeses that's not even from the grocery store. Like, it's just way, way different than what I would do. I'm glad. I Like I said, I'm 100% glad I married her because not only... Do we have a lot of fun? But she she definitely picks out food, and she'll be like, "How do you like this?" You know, and I was like, it, I, "It's great. I mean, it's food. Thank you." Yeah. You know, but she went through. You know, I mean, like she she's gardening now, yeah. And so she's out there, and then she's like, "You know, this is the basil that I grew." You know, and I was like, "Oh, cool." But I I don't even know what the hell basil even tastes like. <laughs> you know, I would probably know what it but tastes you, like if it wasn't love in that there. She no. does. Yeah, yeah. She'll tell me she put fresh basil in it, and I mean, I don't even know what that even is. You know, I knew that it was a leaf. Hey guys, she put fresh basil. Yeah, in yeah. You know, and I actually probably say that friends come over or whatever, yeah. and be like, "Oh, yeah, the pesto's to die for." I try to have that. <laughs> you know, I don't even know you're, what pesto you're so even supportive. is. Yeah, I, I, I am. You know, like I try to do that for like other couples that are coming over, and I hope uh. that the husband doesn't catch on, or I hope that the husband's playing the same dumbass I am. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the husband's bringing out little food cracker things, and he's like, "Yes, these are watercress we sandwiches." Stone ground yeah, yeah, we stone ground these watercress sandwiches. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing, you know. I don't know if I should serve it with a napkin over my arm. I don't know, you know. Oh, it's hilarious. Well, <clears throat> I think we beat the shit out of this one. Um, well, I mean, there's going to be a lot of editing, I'm sure. No. You know. Well, there's got to be. No. No. Straight shot, man. No, Even you the could, elbow bang. Yeah, no, you got to cut that out. We're going to talk. No, no, We're going to no, talk. No, no. But anyway, thank you so much. Oh, what? I don't want to forget this because I thought about that. I was going to write some things down. Rock Rage Radio is a big one, Ooh. you know. Ooh, yeah. Um yeah, I, yeah, I think that it's awesome, you know. And if you if you watch this and you catch this, sorry, we waited to the very end to say hi. You know, you guys are some of our biggest supporters, mm-hmm. and uh, I appreciate that very much. I appreciate, Lori. yeah, I, but I appreciate every every online radio station that I can't think of the name of right now, which I'm sorry, and Rock Paper Podcast, and all you strong supporters of 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 not just St. Louis, but just new music. Thank you, thank you for. Um, not just finding uh, relevance in what we're doing, but accepting what we're doing as the same as it would be any mainstream national artist. Um, and old man, fat bike, old man, me- fat bike, Dixie cryptid, uh, anybody who supports us along the way. I mean, thank you so much. Cause, and it's not about, uh, you know, I mean, you come into our concerts, buying our, our, our merchandise it's about the overall shares. It's about the overall conversations, the knowing our lyrics, the the wanting to be involved with a world full of things to do and full of entertainment. Thank you for choosing us for some of your entertainment. It 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 means everything. It's it's the whole reason to do it. Um, outside of the want ourselves to create. Um, so yeah, thank you. That's that's all I have to say. Yeah. Well, the last thing I'll say is thank you so much for being an inspiration in my life and being a huge part of my life for the last 10 years. It's You've definitely allowed 
<clears throat> I won't, well, I won't say aloud. You've brought new light to my life. And, it, it, and well, my, you have been my translator to the world. The things I haven't been able to say through music have been able to been heard because of you. Okay, well, thank you for, for feeling that way. And I feel very much the same. I, I feel like I have learned a lot from you. And I feel like we have uh, we've shared some cool times on stage. We've met some cool people along the way, and we've said and done some really neat things together. Um, mm -hmm. And that, I mean, no matter what, it's been a fun chapter to uh, to be a part of. And, mm -hmm. I, and I'm glad that so many people are reading it, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Did you fart? Um <laughs> I think you did. I, I, but I, I kept a straight face. I smelled something. Um, I love you, brother. Thank I, you I so love much. You too, man. Oh, it's 740 News. 740 News. Keep an eye out for that. Coming 740 News. Yep. I love that Phil Shankerton guy. He's a he's, he's a character, great. man. That's great. Thanks, guys. Peace.